0: All right, uh, let's, let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. Speak to us, Lord, today. We love you. Thank you for this, this wonderful, wonderful day that you've given us to gather and worship you today. May we honor you today as we lean in and learn of your word. In Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. now today is the last message on what we do. Isn't that interesting? We went through, this is part six of this and uh, if you have not been a part of our worship services where we talk about what we do, you can go online, you can listen to the podcast. But I strongly recommend that you listen to these because this is what uh, the church, I believe the church is all about. And this is what Faith Co. Church is all about. Well, in Matthew 16 and 18, I'm going to review a little bit and then we're going to uh, get to the, uh, the, the main part of this message. In Matthew 16 and 18, it says, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not conquer it. This is when Jesus began talking about the church and his work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. It not only gave us salvation, but it put us in a family. You have, a, you have a, an immediate family in your home, but you also have this church family. You're part of a universal family known as the church. Well, in Matthew 28 and 19, he gives us our purpose in this family. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we refer to these words, or we, we refer to this passage as the Great Commission. It is our assignment. Now that you are a church, now that I've called you, now that I've chosen you, now let me tell you what it's about. This is what Jesus was doing, the Great Commission. The Great Commission is our mission. Jesus' ministry launched his church and the Great Commission gave us our mission statement. Are you with me? Are you with me? All right, so I'm going to ask you from time to time just to make sure <clears throat> that you're with me. So, the book of Acts, uh, th- that is the New Testament church fulfilling the Great Commission. So, Jesus leaves, he ascends to heaven. He, he gives us these marching orders, these instructions, and then the book of Acts kicks off the, the actions of the New Testament church where they fulfill the Great Commission. And then they also develop unique behaviors that identify them as the church. In Acts 2 and 42 it says all the believers devoted themselves. Look at you, neighbor. and say you need to be more devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. And Listen to this. They devoted themselves to teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship uh, or being connected to each other. And they devoted themselves to sharing meals and, and generosity. And then they devoted themselves to prayer. So this, there was a culture of self-devotion to discipleship. And then there was biblical teaching that they were devoted to and gatherings and generosity and prayer. This is what they did. And based on what they did is what we develop our behaviors and what we do. As a modern-day church, we want to see people saved. We want to see them baptized. We want to see them growing. We want to be part of a growing church. Uh, we, we see our calling from their calling. We see our calling from their example. So when as we talk about what they do, we talk about what we do. So real quickly, let's go back. Here's what we do. Number one is we meet together. It's important that we meet publicly Following their example, they met public, or they had public gatherings where they'd meet in the temple. I've I've already, I'm not going to go back and read scriptures, but we've already read scriptures about this and back it up with what, we back up what I'm saying with passages, but they met in the temple or they met in the synagogue and then they would have private gatherings where they met in homes. It was more of an intimate setting. Um, we meet on Sundays and we also meet in connect groups. We try to follow their example in that way. The second thing that, that they did that we do is they pray together or we pray together. There is power and there is purpose in our prayers. If you believe that, say yes. There's power. And, and we, we talked about how it's important to have a, if you don't have one, get a pr- pick up one of these prayer guides. It might be in the back of your chairs and what we can pray about every single day. And we have a, a prayer service every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for just about 15 minutes. We prayed for somebody that was had, had uh, uh, in, got injured in football this past week. We prayed for a young man. We also prayed for different things and different needs that were going on in the church, and we prayed for today's service, and we prayed for you that God would touch your heart today. So it's important. Would you agree that it's important that a church pray together? Yeah, absolutely. Number three, we grow together. Acts 2 and 47 says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It's important that, that, that we understand. It's important that a church grows. Why? Because we want a massive church? Absolutely not. It's not about that we want a big church. It's that we want growth by people getting saved and baptized. Are you with me? So that that's why it's important what, what Travis is important is important that I own the growth of the church. Yes, it is, not because you're trying to build numerically the church. Now listen, the church grows grows numerically and the church grows um, spiritually so well, what does that look like for us well it's important that 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 we invite people to be a part of our fellowship. It's important that we, if we can, that we lead people to Christ. That We talked about this. If you saw these bracelets last week, we call them our one or our reach one. It's important that we're reminded that there are people around us that don't know Christ. So we want the church, whether people come here or not, we want the church as a whole all over the world, we want people to come to know Christ. Amen? So it's important that the church grows. And we talked about what our role looks like. In Luke 19 and 10, Jesus said this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And we talked about the importance, we talked about this last week, the importance of reaching lost people, right? Jesus has come to reach the lost, and people are lost without Christ. We talked about the lost sheep, and we talked about the lost son. So that's what it looks like. Well, today, as I end this series, what do we do? We serve together together. We serve together. Today, we're talking a little bit about growth track, and you've heard me say something about that. It's where we get started when we decide to give our lives to Christ, when we decide that we want to be a part of the church. But you might hear us bring this up a lot. Why do we bring this up so much? Why do we talk about serving at Faith Co. Church? Why is, why is, that, why is that something that we put so much emphasis on Well, serving is the purest act of honor, and it it is exemplified by our Lord Jesus. Serving is the purest act of honor, and it is exemplified by our Lord Jesus. We talked about serving a lot at Faith Go Church because that is the will of God for your life and for my life. And I'm going to read all this, and I'm going to show you this in the Word of God. I'm going to show you a lot of passages about serving. But we talk about this, and we bring this up, and... Please understand, when I talk about serving, when I talk about growth track, just like anything else, when we talk about tithes and offering or wherever you, whatever it is that you do, that we will always bring it up and we, we will always give people opportunities, but man, we never ever want to put pressure on someone because if you feel pressure to do anything in this church, if you ever feel pressure, you're not ready. And what that means is, it might mean that the Holy Spirit in, in time needs to do a work in your life or my life. I have been where you are, okay? Are you with me? So, listen, never feel pressure to do one thing at Faith Code Church. Let God do a work in your life, but always ask yourself, what is my next step? I want you to say that out loud to yourself right now. What is my next step? One more time. What is my next step? What is the next step that that if if never, ever feel pressure to take another step? But always be asking yourself, what is the next step? step well in matthew 20 and 25 talk about serving in, in jesus example it says this jesus called them together and said you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them but among you it would be different now understand jesus is talking to his disciples and he's probably revealing to them that they're going to be leaders in the upcoming church movement he said, you're going to be leaders, and I have spent the last three years developing you, and I'm going to build my church, but something's going to be very different about your authority. Well, they, the example that they had were the Pharisees. The Pharisees walked around in very, very expensive clothing and, and jewelry, and they let people know who they were. They were very special. They had this, this, uh, uh, this inside thinking about themselves that you know they were God's chosen people and then there was the unwashed masses. So Jesus said now you've seen how that authority works but it's going to be something very, very different with you. He said whoever wants to be a leader among you now he doesn't say I don't want you to be a leader. He says I want you to be a leader but whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your, say this word with me, servant. And whoever wants to be I think it's the verse before that. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your... There it is. I'm looking for that word, okay. <laughs> but he goes, he, he makes it a little bit more severe. And he says, whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. So he's, he's saying that you're going to have to take on the approach of a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you... I'm sorry. Uh, the 20th verse says, and even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I want you to know that, that at this point in his ministry, Jesus was, was incredibly famous, very famous. He, would, he, would, he was at a point in his ministry. Now, this was, this, was, this was towards the very end. Jesus was probably going to be crucified, I believe, within the next 24 hours at this point of, of, of where his life was. But before this goes down, before he goes into the upper room, before his, he meets lastly with his disciples, Jesus was so famous that he could not go into cities. Now, think about that for a second. Think think about if you, if word got around about you that in order for somebody to be healed and whole, set free, no matter what's going on, in order for that to happen in their lives, all they had to do was touch your shirt like Jesus. Word got around about Jesus that if you can just get to him and touch him, and you don't even have to touch his body, just touch, touch his robe. If you can touch him, then you will be healed. That happened to people. So word got around. So Jesus would slip into communities sometimes, and he would, he would want to minister to people one-on-one. And what would happen would be he would say, hey, listen, you know, don't tell anybody what happened. But when word would get around, then he would have to go outside the city. In order for Jesus to be alone, he would have to get up in the middle of the night, go up to the top of a mountain. So Jesus was a, was a very, very famous person. But he says this. Now, let, let me Before I say that, let me say this. Would you agree with me if I would say that Jesus was somebody that could get somebody to serve him if he wanted? I'm talking about in a physical sense. Jesus could have set up his own kingdom. He could have been massively wealthy. He could have had servants. He could have set up an authority. He could have set up a business, whatever he wanted to do, and he could have been served. But Jesus, in all that he was, God in the flesh says, I did not come to this world to be served but I came to serve and also give. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And he set the standard for what would be true leadership. What does true leadership look like? It looks like servant leadership. The ideal that his church is built and his church grows as we serve each other. That's what he wanted. And here's what it looks like, and here's why we serve, and here's why we bring it up. We serve, first of all, because it honors others. It honors others above us. And that's a good practice for us. Would you believe that? It honors others above us. A practice of the New Testament church, the apostles, was that they had a high emphasis on honoring others. Did you hear that? That was a, that was a New Testament practice in the church that there was a high emphasis placed on honoring others. In Romans 12 and 1, this is the apostle Paul talking about what it looks like. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Now, the Apostle Paul is metaphorically speaking, and he's talking about Old Testament sacrifice. He's saying, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Now, what he's doing, he's, 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 he's using Old Testament terms, In the Old Testament, in order to worship God, you would bring what was called a sacrificial lamb. You would bring your very, very best lamb because this was an act of worship. You would present it to the temple, and the priest would sacrifice that lamb to God. And that was an act of worship. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb of God. Have you ever heard Jesus referred to as the lamb of God? The lamb of God that was slain? This is what this means. He became the ultimate sacrifice. Wouldn't it be a bummer if we all had to raise sheep and, and take our little lambs into the church? And we're like, here you go, Pastor Travis. I'm like, we're going to take him to the back, and we're going to sacrifice him. And then, you know, sprinkle the blood on the altar. We won't get into all that. But what, that would be a real bummer. But Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. That kind of sacrifice was incomplete. Now, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, the offering. It's now you, not dead, but alive. He says, I want you to present yourself, present, and in fact, specifically, he says, I want you to present your, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He goes on to say, don't be conformed to this world or to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So in order to understand the will of God, you give your bodies, you give yourselves to God. We offer ourselves. Do you know that your body doesn't belong to you alone? You, if, if, you're, if you're married, you already get this, Right? Half of what you do and who you are belongs to somebody else. And you know, hey, honey, I need you to do this or whatever. Um, But offering yourselves when it comes to God, we have to understand that your body doesn't only belong to you. In 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, in the 19th verse, it specifically talks about immoral acts or sexual activity uh, displeasing to God. It says, Don't you know that your body? is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's not necessarily, we're not talking about those things. We're not talking about sin. We're just talking about what the Bible says about our bodies and how, how God views our bodies. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God With what? With what? Glorify God with your body, not just with your mind, not just with your spirit, but glorify God with your body. Your body belongs to God. Romans 12 and 3 says this, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself too highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have Many parts in our body, he's talking about, he's comparing the body of our personal bodies to the body of Christ. He says, all these parts do not have the same function in the same way. We are all many parts of one body in Christ and individual or individually members of one another. We are members of one another that make up the body of Christ. He says this, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. And then he goes into the, I'm not going to, specifically go into these but he says within the body there are various gifts and he gives examples for example there's prophecy and he says if that's your gift that most pastors have a gift of prophecy to speak the word of God boldly and clearly and with authority he says uh, a prophecy according to do that according to your faith if it's service use it in service, he said, if it's teaching, if it's exhorting or encouraging, if it's giving, give generously. If it's leading, if it's showing mercy. In other words, whatever God has gifted you to do, we all have been gifted spiritually. And it's important that we know our gifting. Did you hear that? It's important that we understand that we've been gifted and we understand what that gifting looks like. If we're not careful, he says, he said, don't think too highly of yourselves. This is this is this is a trap that people get in. If 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 we if we are gifted, there's a high emphasis on talent and gifting in our culture, and and one of the things that we have to do. If I can give you a little insight into worship team, that some of the most. Talented people a lot of times can play guitars and music, and we always have to under, we always tell people, man, worship is a matter of heart because I'm telling you, I've been doing this for a long time, and people who are on stage and sing and worship and have talent have, have a tendency to grow in pride, and thank God we don't have a, a team like that. You know what I'm saying? But, but we have to constantly be reminded that our gifting is no greater than anybody else's. It's just different, and we're all members of each other's body. If you believe that, say yes. We're in this together, and we're gifted to serve. Let's read some more. Romans 12 and 9 says, Let love be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good. Now look at this. Love one another. Remember, he's talking to a church. This is a letter that was read to the church in Rome. He says, Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Be proactive. Instigate. Initiate honor. Honor. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. We serve to honor others within the context of the local church because it builds the body. Number two, we serve to honor Christ. We serve to honor Christ. John 13 and 3, this was 24 hours, I believe, before Jesus would go to the cross. said, Jesus knew that the Father had given him everything, knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up from the supper. Now, now now remember this is John the beloved disciple. This was probably the disciple that was closest to Jesus. He takes a look at this and I don't know how after this meeting that he writes this, but he has this insight into what was going on and he says, Jesus knew what God had given him. Jesus knew that he came from God. Jesus knew that he was going back to God. And yet, this is what he does. He got up from the supper. He laid, he took his outer garment off. He took a towel and he tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples. Then he dried them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus knew exactly who he was. And yet, did one of the most one of the lowest things that a servant could do. Now remember, this was a time in the world where people walked wherever they were going. And as far as footwear, they didn't have boots or Nikes or whatever. They had sandals. So the most disgusting thing that there probably was was people's feet. So you actually, there was actually a a policy that when you went in somebody's, or there was a practice that when you went in somebody's home, that if, if, if usually if, if you were well-to-do, you had servants, and if you, you didn't just have one, you had many. So when somebody came into your home, you would have your servant wash his feet or her feet. And then of your servants, there was a tier of servants where the, you know, the, the ones with the seniority and the ones that had been there for a while, they didn't wash anybody's feet. That was for the servants. That was for the ones with low seniority. You know, those, those were for, for the grunts. Nobody, nobody washed the feet but the lowest of the lowest of the lowest of the servants. Jesus knew who he was, where he was going, knew that he was God in the flesh, healed people by speaking and touching people. All that he was, he got up, took out his, uh, his outer garment, which made him look like a servant, wrapped a towel around himself, and then washed his disciples feet it was such a a disgusting or a lowly thing that Peter looked at Jesus and said Jesus you're not going to wash my feet Jesus had to insist no I'm going to wash your feet seven uh, the 12th verse says when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing he reclined again and said to them do you know what I have done for you you call me teacher and lord and you are speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I your lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. So it's important, would you agree with me that it's important that we wash each other's feet. So what we've got is we've got some basins and some if you guys will bring those wash and uh, you guys take, take off your socks and shoes. We don't need one for every person. We're just going to use one for down each row. Is that okay? You guys ready? No. You guys, you, you were supposed to act shocked. Like I, but you, I, I'm, I'm, you guys know how, how I roll, don't you? Has anybody ever been to a foot washing at a church? Anybody have your... Did anybody grow up Pentecost where you got your feet washed? At you? Okay. Is it, let me ask you this, is it about washing feet or is it about there's nothing I wouldn't do to serve you? Don't miss the principle, okay? It, it's not necessary in our home, it, it, with our culture, it's not necessary that, you know, your feet are washed when you enter my home. That's, that's it, it was a cultural thing, it was a, it was a traditional thing, it was something that worked back then. It would be very different, but it's, it's more like Jesus was telling them, listen, it's about it doesn't matter how great you are. It doesn't matter how famous you are. It doesn't matter what you have accomplished. It doesn't matter what a great teacher you are. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how much money you've got. It doesn't matter. It, that not, it doesn't, the, in fact, the greater you are, the more you are to become a servant. This is what true leadership looks like. That's what Jesus was trying to say. And he's talking about For each other he was talking to 12 disciples I want you to be willing to do whatever you need to do to serve each other if you believe that say yes it's like saying this how can I serve you I want you to say those words out loud right now how can I serve you think about think about saying that to one of your brothers and sisters in Christ how can I serve you what what can I do for you that would help you right now are you with me are you with me number three The reason we serve is to honor our calling. In Ephesians 2 and 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. We were created by God. One passage or one translation says, We are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus. We are a work in progress, created for good works. You're created, your body And your makeup was created for something special that God wanted to do. You are also predestined. You're predestined and equipped and gifted to do something very special to God. It doesn't matter if somebody else can do it. It's just that God takes pride in his workmanship and his craftsmanship. And he wants to do something special even even in, in all of our lives. I, I don't know where it is, but I, was, I tried to find it this week, but I got a picture of me when I'm like somewhere between two and three years old, and I'm holding a guitar in my hand. I was, I was looking at myself, and I was thinking, man, that, that, that kid back then, he had no idea where he was going or what he was doing. And in my entire life, I've, I've played guitars, and I'm telling you, there are people way better guitarists than I am. Say, Travis, you proved that today with all those sour notes. <laughs> But I, I really, what I do this because it is the way that I worship God. I, I, I may not be out there with, with you, lifting my hands and singing and all that, but man, I can feel the presence of the Lord. God has called me for this. Another thing is, is when I was when I was, I, I believe I was six years old. I built my own pulpit. That's <laughs> funny. I, I remember the if you were to talk to my sister, I built my own pulpit and I made my sisters come outside and. <laughs> And and then I had a little dog that and I preached to them. I had no idea what I said, but I preached to them and I made them amen me. And then I took an offering, and they had to give me pennies. What I'm telling you is, you can you can see a little bit of predestination of what God was going to do in my life in the future. And I'm telling you, that might not be what God did in your life, but God did something. There's something about you. What I'm telling you is, I, I was holding a guitar in my hand when I was two or three years old. I'm telling you, God. There were, what, is, what were you holding in your hands when you were little? What have you held in your hand? And how has God gifted you throughout your lifetime that you can use to glorify him? You may not be the best in the world. If you were the best in the world, you, maybe you'd be making more money with that. Or maybe you'd be famous or be off doing something that, that necessarily not glorifying God. But, but God has put something in your hands predestined to glorify him. You were born with something. Ephesians 4 and 15 says, he says, instead, we speak in truth and love. Let me skip down. It says, he talks about as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Do you know that we, can, we contribute when we do our own special part, when we walk in our gifting, when we serve others, we contribute to the whole body being a fit and a built-up body. Do you understand? Yeah. Am I making sense? As we do our special work, it helps the other parts. Not only do I benefit the body, but I help other people as I serve in my role within his church. You know, most noticeable parts in our bodies are not necessary. The most, or, or, the most noticeable parts get the most attention. But that doesn't mean that the parts of our bodies that aren't noticed aren't important. For example, guys... What was the first thing that you noticed about your bride? When you first met her, what was the thing that just, when you saw her, you thought, man, that's marriage material. You know what I'm saying? What is the first thing that you noticed about her? You're right. It was her eyes. You noticed her eyes, right? We'll just go with that, okay? If you think about it, a lot of times, the first thing that you notice about somebody is their eyes, a lot of times, you know, eyes stand out many times because they have the ability to express, right? No, eyes are just very, very noticeable. And a lot of, maybe that's what you said to your wife or you, your husband hey, uh, you have the most beautiful eyes. But here's what you don't hear man, you have the most fantastic eyelids I have ever seen. Nobody says that, right? Nobody notices the lids. I just love your lids. You got the most beautiful lids I have ever seen. Nobody cares about lids. I just want to kiss your lids. But let me ask you something. How important are the eyelids? What if we were to just cut those off? You know what I'm saying? Let's not, let's not talk about that. But what I'm saying is, how important are eyelids, right? That your eyes, you guys, all of a sudden you guys started blinking like crazy now. Yeah, my eyelids are important. How important? Are, your eyes could not function or even exist without the eyelids, right? When is the last time you said, "Hey, man, I just, I, I want you to know that I just love your brain, my mind." No, no, no. You're the the brain organ. I would just love to get my hands on your brain and massage it. Nobody wants a brain, right? Nobody wants to. Nobody even wants to look at a brain. But how important is the brain? It's unnoticeable, you know. Nobody wants to look at it, but how important it is that's what the scripture's saying. That there are parts of our bodies that seem like they're because they're not seen or because they don't get attention. Each part has a special part to play that serves the body. Lastly, and I'm about to close, we honor our eternal reward. In Romans two and six, it says this that He's going to judge everyone according to what they have done. The reason that we want to serve is because it determines our return, or it determines our eternal reward. And guys, I'm going to fly through this. This is a whole message within itself. I'm going to fly through this in less than five minutes, but I don't want you to miss it. Listen to me. We are not saved by works. We understand that. We're served, we, we are saved by what? We are saved by faith. Faith in Christ, okay? We are saved. We are not saved by works. We're saved by faith. Eternal Eternal salvation is by faith. Eternal, Eternal evaluation is by works. Let me say that again. Eternal salvation is by faith. Eternal evaluation is by works. Where we spend eternity is by faith in Christ. How we spend eternity is by serving Christ. Did you hear that? Where you spend eternity is determined by Faith in Christ and the grace of God whoever said grace whoever said grace was not wrong but how we spend eternity is determined by your works listen to me not everyone, will have the same experience in the next life. If you read your Bible in Matthew 25 and Luke 19, Jesus gives us a glimpse into what the kingdom of heaven looks like when he talks about the parable of the talents and the parable of the minus. It reveals to us that there will be different degrees of rewards based on our response to our responsibility and our calling. Did we fulfill our calling? Did we walk in our responsibility of God? And we understand that God is just and he gives us a calling according to our ability and according to our faith. But we are also given an assurance of a judgment that we stand before God and we give an account for the things that he has given to us. And based on what he has given us, you say, well, I'm a person that I really, really feel blessed. Well, according to that blessing, according to what God has given you, we, we give an account for that. Well, I'm a person that, man, it feels, it feels like I'm not so much blessed. You give whatever you have been given in your life. We stand before God, and we give an account for that. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, it talks about the judgment seat of Christ. As we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, our works are evaluated. And it determines our reward in the next life. It talks about how our faith is founded upon Christ. However, as we stand before God, our works are tested. I don't have time to get into this. But our works are tested at our judgment. And our motives are shown. Our sins are not brought up at this judgment because they're covered by the Lord Jesus. But our works are evaluated and our reward is determined in the next life. And I'm just going to leave that right there. But here's what I want to tell you as I close. I've never ever had any problems getting people to believe in Jesus for the next life. The greatest challenge that I've ever had is getting people to serve Jesus in this life. But what I want to tell you is, if you serve Jesus in this life, you're rewarded in the next one. If you believe that, say amen. So, Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. And we worship you, and I pray, Father, that you will speak to every person here. And hopefully, Lord, we have been challenged. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you will do a work in our lives in the name of Jesus. As you're here and your heads are bowed and and nobody looking around, what I want you to do is I just want you to ask the Lord, "What what is my next step, Lord, what do I need to do? What direction do I need to take? And I would would like to ask you to let the Holy Spirit do a work in your life. And I just want you to be open to whatever he wants to say as I pray over you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person. Lord, what is our next step? I pray, Lord, that you will reveal to us what that looks like. Lord, do we need to submit to discipleship? Do we need to lead people to Christ do we need to practice disciplines in our own life what does that look like do we need to open up our lives and create some margin in our lives to be able to serve are there people around us that that we need to begin to speak to you in order to soften their hearts that they will give their lives to you what is our next step speak to every individual today And Lord, may we all live our lives in such a way that we serve you and honor you with our lives because our bodies are not our own. Our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. May we honor you today. And may we remember, Lord, that we stand before you and give an account for our lives one day. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the eternal reward of salvation. May we honor you and present our lives to you in this life in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. If you're here today and you haven't given your life to Christ, I'd like everybody to continue to bow your heads. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I want to pray with you. Let me say this. I'm about to pray. uh, So I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hands or single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but I'd like to know if I'm praying for anybody. If you're watching us online, I'm about to pray. And today's an opportunity for you to give your life to Christ. Before we pray the prayer of salvation, I'd like to know, is there anybody here that you have never given your life to Christ? Maybe that's you. Or maybe you can say, Travis, I walked away from God, and today I feel like God is bringing me home. Whatever that looks like, real quickly, if you'll just put your hand up and put it down so I know I'm praying for anybody. Can anybody say that? That's me, Travis. I'm going to give my life to Christ today. If anybody's watching us online, you can say, Travis, that's me. I'd love to give my life to Anybody say that? All right, we're going to pray. And as we pray, if you lifted your hand, or if you're watching us online, repeat this prayer after me. And today you can come home. You can give your life to Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm before you today, and I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life, to take my life and use it for your cause. I believe in you, Jesus. Jesus that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's worship the Lord for those that have given their lives.